It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Hey everybody, John Barcher checking in again, and I just gotta say, what a week one it was for your Philadelphia Eagles. Kirk Coupon showed up just like they thought he would, throwing worm balls, being inaccurate, and the Eagles get out with a win. And I know some of you might be looking at your fantasy lineups from this weekend and be getting a little disappointed. There's a lot of guys that got dinged up already. Maybe your fantasy season is all over, but not to worry. DraftKings is here for your one-week fantasy football, and this Sunday, they're doing it again. DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 Pick'em contest that is totally 100% free. Pick'em is the newest way to play one-week fantasy football. Drafting your teams is faster than ever. DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers, and all you have to do is select one player from each tier. You can choose from public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of friends and DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. So get to DraftKings.com right now and use the promo code BGNR to play in DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code BGNR to compete for your share of $100,000 in total prizes. The contest is totally free to enter, so why wouldn't you try? DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You're listening to BGN Radio. Darren Sproul's gone! Touchdown, Eagles! Why you would punt the ball to Darren Sproul's in the middle of the field... I have no idea. This is Jim Schwartz, and he's talking about his relationship with Doug Peterson at a press conference today. He said, I'll say this, and I'll say this unequivocally. I am very comfortable with my relationship with Doug Peterson. I know he's comfortable in his relationship with me. What I do here is I work extremely hard to execute the defense the way that he has outlined it for me. Okay? And 
you can imagine him like wearing sunglasses and having that deep gruff voice as he's saying it. And uh, he also said, if anybody misunderstands or misinterprets any actions, just know this. Coach Peterson is aware of everything that I do in this building and outside of the building. So those are the words from Jim Schwartz talking about what has been a reported strife within the locker room, the idea that Schwartz is trying to take Doug Peterson's job away from him. And you know what? These comments don't really change anything for me. If you're worried about the idea of do we have a possible mutiny on our hands, I wouldn't feel any better at this point. Uh, Not to say that there's writing on the wall that things are going to blow up and this is going to go crazy, but you do need to appreciate that there there is some reality to this. And, of course, Schwartz is going to deny everything. I mean, is he going to get on the podium and say, like, yeah, guys, I want Doug's job. Uh, if you could just write a hit piece on him or two to get him fired, I'd really appreciate it. Like, we're not going to get to that avenue. So, yeah, Jim Schwartz, he downplays everything now. But one of the things is, and it's funny, Schwartz says that Peterson is aware of everything that he does inside and outside of the building. But if we go back to last year, it's pretty clear that Peterson wasn't aware of everything that was going on in the organization, right? Uh, the thing that I always go back to is Josh Huff. He gets on stage at a press conference, says, hey, Josh Huff, we're just going to put the loving on him, and everything's going to be fine. And then the next day, Josh Huff gets cut. So for Peterson, a guy who's got this reputation of being someone that really doesn't have a grip on anything, more has things told to him than tells things to someone else. Um, I don't know I don't know if this is something that really comforts me from Jim Schwartz. So we're gonna have to keep an eye on this as the season rolls on. It's gonna be interesting to see, you know, each week you kind of score the offense versus the defense and who did better. And I think if we're looking at what happened this week, it's clearly point Schwartz. And so uh, he's up in the battle for the season. Now, the other thing with all of this, though, and, and this is something to really hold near and dear to your heart if uh, if you're struggling with this issue of Schwartz versus Peterson. Schwartz is a defensive head coach, and I understand it. Like, look, it's Philly. We love our defensive guys. You might have a Buddy Ryan tattoo on your bicep and another on your calf, and, you know, you're thinking of a third, but... This is an offensive team, though. Under Jeffrey Lurie, he's only hired offensive head coaches. That's it. We're talking about, you know, guys like Ray Rhodes, Andy Reid. We're talking about Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson. These are offensive guys that are a part of the organization. It's going to stay that way because Carson Wentz is the quarterback of this team. There's just, there's no way that Jeffrey Lurie, who talks about Wentz all the time, loves Wentz, there's no way that this guy is saying, you know, I'm going to get rid of my offensive head coach for this young quarterback and bring in the defensive guy. It it just isn't going to help Wentz in any way. He wants the offensive head coach. He wants the emphasis there. It's going to stay that way. And frankly, it's the right thing to do. So even if it gets to a point where it does get ugly, and it could, if it does get ugly and Jim Schwartz clearly wants the head job of the Eagles, Neither of them are getting the job. If you can make the case that Schwartz deserves the job, it's not happening for either of them. There's, you know, Peterson would get fired, and Schwartz would would probably get fired as well. You just clean the whole house and you start over again, and that's that is what it is. That's my opinion. Now, a couple of other news and notes, and oh, by the way, 
Who am I and what is my opinion? Well, I'm Vince Quinn. You can find me on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. I do the NFC East show, The Beast, for BGN Radio. I also do the preview shows each week with John Barchard and Upon Further Review, which is a history show, and we'll be getting back to that in the off season, it's going to be the best season that we've ever done. Uh, although it's, it's only the second season, so take that for what it's worth. Now, uh, let's get into some major news, right? So, the Eagles, in addition to having the Schwartz press conference, they signed a new kicker. Caleb Sturgis injured his hip. They put him on IR. He's going to be out for at least eight weeks, and he has the designation to return. Uh, he's the first player that the Eagles have given this designation to because... You might be thinking, no, Vince, Sidney Jones has that designation. No, he doesn't. Not yet. Uh, Sidney Jones is on the non-football injury list, which means they have a couple of weeks for him to uh, get back out on the field and practice for a couple of weeks, and then if they decide it's not quite there, then they can shut him down for the season. But it's not IR with the designation to return. Uh, it's it's a little different, and it has to do with the fact that for Sturgis, it happened during a game. It's the regular course of business, and there you have it. Now... Anyway, Sturgis has been placed on IR, and the Eagles, in response, have signed a new kicker. His name is Jake Elliott, and he's a fifth-round pick just this year out of Memphis. He was the first kicker uh, taken in the draft, and he was taken by the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, here's the thing. He's a fifth-round kicker this year, which means, again, a team spent a draft pick on him, which, I mean, it's not incredibly rare that that happens. Kickers get drafted quite regularly, but when those kickers get drafted, they start. <laughs> they usually start right away. Uh, Jake Elliott did not start for the Bengals. In fact, he was on the practice squad. He lost his job to Randy Bullock, a guy who's been around the league for a good while, been with a number of teams. And so the fact that he was on the practice squad and was available to be signed after a fifth-round pick was spent on him, it is a questionable signing. Now, to give you the background on Elliott and really what he's gone through, so for college, 77.9% uh, as a kicker. And that's not a really high number, uh, not a high, high number that you would expect from the guy who was the first kicker drafted out of the entire class, but... That average is in part based on his sophomore year. He was only 65.6% on his kicks uh, his sophomore year. So terrible. He made 21 of 32 kicks. It's a, it's a really bad mark. He stunk that sophomore year. Everyone acknowledges that. And um, he cleaned it up the next two years because his junior year, he kicked 82%. And his senior year, he made just about 81%. So... He has been accurate in the past two years, a little shaky in the preseason with the Bengals. And here's the other thing. So in addition to missing a couple of kicks in the preseason and ultimately not winning the job despite being a fifth-round pick, you have to deal with some other stuff. So specifically, the problem with Elliott is that he's not great on kickoffs. Typically, you want a kicker at this point that the expectation is you can force a touchback every time. Ever since the NFL moved the line up, kicking from the 30 to the 35, you've wanted a kicker that can just pin the team back. You know they have to go 75 yards down the field, and that's that. Um, Elliott is not a guy that's been known to 
generate the touchbacks. He does not have the distance for it. And also, on top of that, because the distance is one thing, but he doesn't have the hang time either. So generally, his kicks are going shorter, and they're going shorter more quickly than your standard NFL kicker, which means... There's going to be more pressure if he can't get it done here in Philly. If he doesn't show any growth and improvement in that regard, then it's going to be a lot more pressure on the special teams coverage. We're going to be seeing a lot more kick returns than the average NFL team. And that is something to be worried about because here's the thing. Like, think of how many NFL games are decided by, you know, three points, seven points. Most NFL games are not blowouts. And if you can limit the opportunity for a big play on special teams, sure, it could only be four, five, six times a game. But if you're getting those plays and making them automatically start at the 25 and not have dangerous designated kick returners have the opportunity to return kicks on you, you're all the better for it. And for something with Jake Elliott, that is something we'll have to keep an eye on. Now, the other thing is, think about the big picture here. Think of how special teams has now dramatically changed in the past two weeks. You got a brand new long snapper in, in Rick Lovato, who, yes, he's been around the team before, but he's now officially the team's uh, long term long snapper. And he's snapping it back to a guy that's a rookie that's been a little shaky. And so you've got two guys getting familiar with each other and not having any time to really work it out. So you've just got a couple of days until Sunday versus Kansas City. It's a big game against a big opponent. And every kickoff, every extra point, every field goal attempt, it's not something you get up and say, yeah, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You sit down, you watch, and you say, oh, my God, please don't screw this up. Um, It's a big situation. We'll see where all of that goes. Now, the last major thing to get into today, and it's for me, it, it really is a big deal. Um, Victor Salako, who is, uh, well, formerly was a free agent just as of yesterday. He's been brought back to the Eagles. Now, who is Victor Salako? You might have heard of him. He was with the team through camp. He's an offensive tackle. So 6'6", 235, he's from Oklahoma State. He was a four-year starter in college. The first two years were at UAB, which the program was shut down. And once that happened, uh, he continued to start at left tackle for the last two years with Oklahoma State. He was voted second-team all-conference in the Big 12 his senior year. And again, he's been with the Eagles all through training camp. So uh, he's a guy that obviously the Eagles had respect for, for an undrafted guy to get a rookie tryout, to stick around through camp. That's all great. Also, pro football focus gave him a little bit of love. So uh, no problems with uh, Victor Salako being on the practice squad. But here's the thing with that. Um, you have to consider that Jason Peters suffered a groin injury in the game. He left, came back for a couple of plays, and left again. Now, Big V did an admirable job, and <laughs> thank God he did, because the last time he played against the Redskins, or that first game, not great. Uh, not great at all. So, for him to have a good outing at, a, at the left tackle position, where he struggled last year, in the right tackle position, it's a great thing to see, and I feel comfortable with Big V if he has to fill in, but if Big V has to fill in because Peters can't go due to the groin injury, Well, what you're going to see is that the Eagles don't have another backup tackle on the roster. He's not there. Um, And that's what happens when you had Alan Barber, who's 
been a swing tackle. He's been in the league for a long time, been with the Eagles for a couple of years, plays four positions on the line if you ask him to. That happens when you trade him for a seventh-round pick. And Matt Tobin, who's been your extra tackle last season, uh, he gets traded for a fifth-round pick. So you've traded the tackles that you had in depth. The other project swing tackle that you have in Dylan Gordon, he's been on the practice squad. And so right now on the active roster, with only eight offensive linemen total, when you start five, we've got a situation where Big V could be in left, and as of now, uh, the Eagles are going to be very closely watching what happens with Jason Peters. Because if he can't go, or if he's got to go into this you know, say he's not quite there and they would like him to sit out a week, but they're going to keep him active and just hope that he doesn't have to play, which is a really bad situation to be in. Um, I would be concerned. I would be very concerned going into the game because, again, you've only got eight linemen, and if, if Big V goes down and then Peters is out there and he's injured, he's all the more likely to get hurt as well. And at that point, you're only going to have you know, two backup linemen, and neither of them are really tackles. You might have to get a guy like Johnson and move him to left and say Malu and move him to right or, or something really wacky just to cover yourself for a single game. So uh, I'm, I'm really worried and interested to see where the Peters injury goes this week, but it is worth noting that Victor Salako is the guy they brought in to back him up a bit uh, in terms of bringing him to the practice squad. Now, if it gets to the point where, let's say Peters can't go on Sunday and they officially rule him out, my guess would be that Dylan Gordon, the guy who, you know, he, I, I've been a big fan of his, plays left tackle, he's played a little bit of right, he's a guy that has been a blocking tight end for the Eagles, he's been a fullback for them in certain situations, so all that versatility, he's been with the team for a year already. It's not that Salako would be the guy that gets brought up if Peters can't go. Dylan Gordon would very likely be that guy, but Salako is clearly someone they like. And just given the state of the NFL, once Peters recovers, it could be that Salako is cut, but he's a name that I would definitely expect to see regularly on the bottom of the roster, you know, on the practice squad, off the practice squad, on the squad, off the squad, just because that's the way that the NFL goes now. You know, teams like to juggle players. And so let's talk about the guy that the Eagles cut in exchange for Salako. So they cut C.J. Smith, and that's a guy that I thought was going to make the roster. He's gotten a lot of second-team reps all through camp. He was with the team last year, an undrafted guy. Uh, you look at the depth of the corner position and what it's generally been. So I thought he was someone that would have been on the team, and now Smith has been released from the practice squad. And that changes things a little bit because, or it's worth... Yeah, it's really worth looking at, at least, because when you consider the situation here, now look at the Eagles' cornerback position. You've got Sidney Jones, who's on the non-football injury list. You've got Ronald Darby, who's out for the next four to six weeks. Jalen Mills is going to be your starter. You have Patrick Robinson, a guy who he's... I mean, he was going to get cut if he was going to be on the outside. Um He's someone that could be getting a lot of time on the outside. You've got Rasul Douglas, who's a third-round rookie. A lot of people said, you know, during training camp and all that, oh, well, he'll figure it out. Just get him out there, start him, and let him play. No, he's a third-round rookie at corner. If you start him, it's a big problem. And so uh, that's a situation to deal with. And then you've also got McDougal, who the Eagles recently got from the Jets and, and just before the fourth preseason game. Well, well, McDougal, I mean, he's a guy who's brand new to the system, and he's raw. So, 
it's not a great situation to be in just in terms of the corner depth and guys who are by trade corners. Now, what makes it tenable to have four active cornerbacks on the roster is that you've got uh, flexibility at the safety position. So Jalen Watkins is a guy that plays both corner and safety. You have Corey Graham. He can play corner and safety. Malcolm Jenkins plays corner and safety. So luckily they have that versatility. They've been able to build up and scout that versatility where you can cover the deficiencies at the cornerback position, but you can only do it for so long because, again, now as you're exposing all of your safeties to more snaps and you know more safeties on the field at the same time, you risk more injuries to your safety position. So they do need to figure out some sort of solution. I would like them to see some sort of solution to the cornerback position soon. I don't know if that means maybe uh, Brooks comes back, Ron Brooks, and, and they try to get him in the fold for a couple of weeks as a stopgap. We'll see. But for now, C.J. Smith's been cut, uh, and Salako's been on the roster. Now, the other thing with this move, and this is the last point here before we wrap up the show, is that when you think about the offensive tackle, and really the offensive line as a whole, and you think of what's going on with the cornerback and how there's only four active guys on the roster— and it's such a roster crunch, right? When you've got 53 players on the roster and you've got an injury, it's like, okay, well, we want to sign someone, but Darby's not on IR, so we need to cut somebody. And it's, it's a complicated thing to deal with. Something that would have made this easier so that the Eagles wouldn't have to do some dancing with the practice squad and would be able to more easily cover injuries at the offensive line or at the cornerback position, you know what would have helped? Not having five running backs. I mean, really, one of the spots that's taken up by Pumphrey or Clement is something that could easily go to an extra corner or something that could have easily gone to another lineman to keep on this roster. But the insistence to have five running backs on the team, which is too many and completely unnecessary, is something that uh, is putting the Eagles in an interesting bind. And it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that as the season progresses because now that it's clear they're not trading one of those guys, we've already played a game, it's very unlikely that you see Clement or Pumphrey moved at this point. So now that we're at this stage, as the season progresses, as injuries get worse, what kind of things are going to be done? Will the Eagles consider cutting Corey Clement or Pumphrey at some point and trying to stash them on the practice squad because... You need offensive linemen. I mean, it's it's just such a weird and fascinating thing to keep your eye on, but it does have a role in other, in all these other moves, things with the practice squad and, and the offensive line and stuff that are going on here. So pay attention to all of that. And hey, by the way, keep paying attention to BGN Radio. We got a lot of good stuff going on for you. Again, I'm going to be doing the NFC East show uh, tomorrow night, or, or excuse me, Thursday night. I'll be getting that together, so... Uh, I'll give a Skins perspective on the game, what happened between the Giants and the Cowboys. I will break all of that down, as well as their matchups for next week. I'll also be breaking down the Eagles matchup for next week. Eagles and Chiefs in Kansas City. I'll be doing that with John Barchard. That episode will be recorded uh, tomorrow night, and we'll be getting that out to you Thursday morning. So look forward to that. I am Vince Quinn. I hope you enjoyed this edition of BGN's Radio Daily, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care.